Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So tonight I'm going to start by reading a portion of Scripture and then I'm going to explain that Scripture and then as Jared said, we're going to begin a three-week series looking at faith, hope and love and we're going to look at what our lives can look like when we decide to partner with these three, I believe, heavenly gifts that God has given us. So you want to just tell your neighbour, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Cool, we're just going to bring it up on the screen. Uh, We're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a a letter or a book written by Paul the Apostle to the Church of Corinth. And we're just going to read through it. And for me, there's four parts to this chapter. And the first part we're about to read, Paul is describing the importance of love. He's basically saying that it doesn't matter what you possess in this lifetime, if it is not welded and merged with the love of Christ, it is of no value to you. And so it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, in other words, annoying. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. In other words, there is no thing that exists in this lifetime that if it is not partnered with God will be of any value to you or to anyone around you. The second part here, Paul describes what love looks like, Um, and it's pretty self-explanatory, and if you want to be a better friend, better husband, better wife, better son, better daughter, better father, better mother, just do what the Bible says. And it says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. I love this because someone has to wrong you for you to keep no record of it. Someone has to wrong you for you to keep no record of it. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. So Paul speaks about the importance of love, that there is no thing of value unless we weld it with the love of Christ. Then he describes what love looks like. And then this third part out of four, uh, Paul begins to speak about the temporal and partial nature of so much about what we're living in this life. He begins to describe that there's a lot of things we are experiencing that are true, but they are very partial. And when Jesus comes back in his fullness, what is partial will be gone and the fullness will remain. And so it says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. So we do prophesy and we do know something but it's part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears, completeness being Jesus. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the things of childhood behind me. For now we see only as a reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So Paul speaks about the importance of love. He describes what love is, and then he communicates, here's a whole bunch of things that are temporary and partial. And then he finishes that chapter off with this last verse, which we're going to look at. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And one thing that I really want you guys to catch from this is that word remain. And now these three remain. For me, uh, I'd always read it as, and these three are important things, 
faith, hope, and love. And the most important of these three things is love. That's how I'd read it, but it says remain there. And this is a really well-known scripture, you know, like it's often found on many Christian fridges, toilet doors, or family photos. But for me, just recently, I felt like the Holy Spirit highlighted something, and it's that word remain. And I looked into the implications of it, and it's the Greek word called meno, and it means, uh, it means to remain in time, in place, and in state. And so what that looks like is for these three things to remain in time, it means they're going to continue to be. They're not going to perish. They're always going to be there. That faith, hope, and love are not going to perish. They're always going to be there. It means that they remain in place, which means they are always going to be present. They are always going to be available, and they remain in state. They are not going to change. They are going to remain as they are. So all in one breath, Paul describes the importance of love. He describes what love looks like. And keep in mind, he's still talking about love. He then says, uh, describes a whole bunch of stuff that's temporary and partial. And he says, although there is so much that is temporary and partial that will be replaced when Jesus comes back, here are three things that will remain. Here are three things that will carry on. Paul says, hey, when Jesus comes back and we go to heaven, a whole bunch of things are going to change and we're going to understand and see things that a finite existence cannot comprehend at this time. But these three things, they carry on, they continue through, they won't change and they won't disappear. In other words, when we exercise our faith in God, place our hope in Him and partner with His love, we partner with the substances that are in heaven right now. That faith, hope, and love that Paul is writing about here, we can partner with here and now, but it's the exact same substance that is waiting for us in heaven. And that's important because Jesus gave us the mandate in Matthew verse chapter 6, verse 10. He said that we are to pray that it will be on earth as it is in heaven, and everything else falls underneath this mandate. The salvation of humanity, the healing of humanity, people brought into life-giving relationships with their creator and with their community all falls under this because it's a representation of what's already happening in heaven. There is no one not saved in heaven. There's no one not in relationship with God. There's no one in pain in heaven. There's no one disconnected from community and family in heaven. And so our mandate is to, is to represent heaven here on earth, to bring the substance of heaven and release it here on earth. Last week, we had a testimony for those who were here, and his name was Graham, if those remember him, the, the person who leads the voice of the martyrs. And uh, he was sick, he had cancer, and so Gideon was like, hey, come in, we want to pray for you. And so he came in, prayed for them, him and someone who was praying for him said that uh, I curse this cancer in the name of Jesus to die, and that the surgeons would just cut it out clean. And when the surgeons came time to open it up, they were surprised to see the cancer had died, they clean cut it out and removed it. And that is a picture of the substance of heaven invading earth. That is a picture of a community of people who are willing to partner with heaven and release that substance here on earth. We had a young adult social a few weeks ago and we went to Corsair Bay and there was about 40 of us and it was really awesome, played volleyball and nearly hit a few people around us. But uh, there was a, a Argentine couple that were there and I spoke to them towards the end of the evening and just shared, uh, asked them who they were, if they believed in God and they said no, they didn't. But they did say that uh, the, the wife said that she, she felt like the atmosphere felt different around us, like it felt really nice. And she also said that she felt the same thing when she hung out with her Christian friends a few weeks ago. 
And that right there is a representation of a people who have a value for heaven and they release it where they go. And so it's very much my, my desire that we as a church family would live a life of faith that reveals the substance of heaven to our families, to our communities, and to our workplaces. That would reveal the nature of heaven to the world around us. And so these are three keys that I believe God has given us, that when we partner with these, we will see heaven manifest itself around us. Everyone desires heaven, not everyone understands what heaven is. But as we see it more clearly, we want to release it more clearly. So tonight, we're going to start with faith. And this is, uh, I'll call it my definition um, of faith, which I reserve the right to change. But at this stage in my life, this is Josh's definition. Faith is to believe in God. The definition of faith that I believe Paul was writing in that 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that faith, that same substance that is in heaven right now that we are invited to partner with, I believe is faith in God. And there's a lot of other gods that people place their faith in. Uh, Muslims place their faith in Allah, Buddhists and Buddha. Hindus place their faith in uh, hundreds of gods. Um, but I believe the faith that um, Paul was speaking about was faith in God, Jesus Christ. Now, those sort of gods aren't as common in our culture. The gods we're more used to are um, rugby, uh, the god of money, the God of social hierarchy, feeling better than those around us. But perhaps the most common God we're used to in, in our culture is the God of ourselves. When, when we make ourselves our own God, where our whole world revolves around us and it lives to serve us as its primary focus. But I believe when Paul was speaking there, he was speaking about God. He was speaking about Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. When Paul was writing there, I don't believe he was speaking about these other gods. He was speaking about faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. So what happens when we partner with faith? What happens when we partner with the substance of heaven that Paul describes as faith? I believe what happens when we partner with faith is our lives are redeemed and our stories are rewritten. And if you have a pen and paper, I want you to write that down. When you partner with the faith of heaven, your life is redeemed and your story is rewritten. I'm speaking to uh, two people here tonight, uh, two groups of people. One group here, you may be here and you may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may not have a, a living relationship with him. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter where you've been at in your journey. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. But that if you're willing to make a decision to partner with faith, the substance of heaven, that your life can be redeemed and your story can be completely rewritten. For me, uh, it wasn't. I was 21 when I had pretty much no understanding of what relationship with God looked like. Um, I knew a very small amount of what Christian, dim Christian what Christians were or what that meant. Um, and, but I came to a place in my life where I realized the things I was pursuing uh, were a lot darker than I first thought. And the life that I thought I was living was actually pretty empty. And I didn't really like where I was ending up. And so I began to question what my purpose was. I began to question that, that all the things I've been pursuing after didn't seem to be bearing the fruit that I was going after. And so I began to question, what is my purpose? What is the purpose of my life, my existence? And I looked to my parents and my sister at that time who were Christian, and I saw that they had a sense of joy. They had a sense of value, which I didn't see in anyone else around me. 
and yet they didn't value anything that myself or anyone around me valued. They valued things of purity. They valued things of love. They valued things of substance, which I didn't understand at that time. And so I went on a journey of about five weeks of really just discovering, like, like I asked myself for the first time in my life, like, I wonder if Jesus was real. Like I'd never even thought if he was more than a, a storybook. You know, I didn't question if he was more than some Greek God. But I went on this journey and I came to the place where I realized that he was real, that Jesus Christ was God's son and I was willing to place my faith in him and partner with that substance of heaven. And about eight and a half years ago, my life was redeemed and my story was rewritten. And a few, uh, few about a month ago, I was chatting with a friend who's known me about seven years and he said to me, um, he said, you, you just wouldn't know that you didn't used to be a Christian. And I just love that because that's the picture of the gospel. That's the picture of the old for the new. Jesus laying down his life so that you may pick up new life in him. That you may lay down everything that you were not purposed to be and pick up everything that you were purposed to be. That you can be a new creation. That if you're willing to partner with the substance of faith, your entire life can be redeemed and your story can be rewritten. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And I love that because it says the Christ we live in the body, that means the flesh, that means like uh, this thing. And I love that because often people like that, they become a born again Christian. They, they answer the altar call and they lay down their life and then they kind of feel like they didn't change as much as they maybe thought. And they've still got the same legs and like they're still the same person. But like life actually carry on, carries on in that body, but now you're living by the Spirit. Now your mind has been renewed to follow the Spirit of God that is inside of you and says the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. When we place our faith in God, no matter where we are at in our lives, our lives are redeemed and our stories are rewritten. But I'm also speaking to people in this room tonight who you've, you've, you've known God for a while. You've had a relationship with Him, whatever that's looked like. You've been on a journey, but, but you're, you're potentially relating a bit more to fear and unbelief than you are to faith in God. You potentially have a bit more of an understanding and consistently consider the things that you're afraid of and consider the things that you don't believe a bit more than considering the things you do believe and considering the things that Jesus has invited us into. I want to speak to you because I want you to know that regardless of like what, if, what your journey is, regardless of how religious it's been, regardless of how good or bad, how much you feel like God's disappointed you, that this moment, from this moment in time, your life can be redeemed, your story can be written, re -re be rewritten. And I want to ask you that if you turn around right now and you look at the relationships in your life, you look at the people you've spent time with, the places you've worked in, what is the influence you've had? Have you been adding to people's lives? Have you been releasing a legacy of love and of power? Or, or is there a lot of selfish moments there? Is there a lot of moments that haven't quite been partnering with faith in God? I want you to know that your life can change in a moment, regardless of how, how long you've known God, if you're willing to lay, down, lay it down and partner with that substance of heaven called faith. There is a woman in the Old Testament called Sarah, and she was Abraham's wife. And she was an example of someone who, who knew God, 
But her life was redeemed and her story was rewritten when she made the decision to partner with the substance of faith. She had a God-given promise in her heart from a young age to bear children. But she had got to the age of 90 and had, had no children. And so she was pretty disappointed. She was pretty gutted. And so... Um, uh, God spoke directly to her and Abraham through some messengers, whether they're angels or men prophesying is unsure. But God spoke directly to them and, and he said that in the, by this time next year, you are going to ch- bear a child. And it says there that Sarah laughed within herself, like she laughed cynically within herself. And she said, will I really have a child now that I am that old? And I know there's many here in this room that will be able to relate to that moment where you've known God for a long time and someone prophesies over you something you've probably already heard for 90 years, that God's going to use you, that that people are going to be saved through your life, that you've been called to to bless people. You're going to release millions of dollars into the kingdom. You're going to see people saved, healed, delivered, and you've heard that many times, but maybe you haven't seen it and you laugh within yourself cynically. Like, and you blow it off like Sarah did in that moment. Many of us can relate to that moment Sarah was in. But then we fast forward. So that was in the, the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible. Now we transfer into the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. And we read chapter 11, verse 11. And it says, By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. So by faith, even though Sarah was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered himself faithful who had made the promise. This is the same woman who laughed at God. This is the same woman who God spoke to and said, you're going to bear a child next year. And she laughed because she was so far away from believing it. She was so far away from partnering with him from partnering with faith. But something happened in that year that she actually made a decision to partner with faith. She made a decision to lay down her fears, to lay down her disappointments and partner with that substance of heaven. Now all of a sudden she is remembered as a woman of faith, that her life was redeemed and her story was rewritten. After laughing at God in her own unbelief, she adjusted her heart posture towards God. She chose to partner with faith, the substance of heaven, by believing in God. She chose to believe in what he had said to her, and she started to make decisions in line with that faith she had in God. And so my question for you tonight is, what, what has God been speaking to you about? What promises has God given you that maybe you've, you've, you've laid to one side, that maybe you've laughed at at some point? And what would it look like for you to partner in faith with that promise? What would it look like for you to step out of the boat and partner in faith with that promise? As she partnered with her faith in God, her unbelief, her failure and disappointment was redeemed and she began to see the promises of God fulfilled before her life. And so her life, her story was redeemed from one of unbelief to one of faith. What area of your life are you not seeing the promises of God fulfilled? For Sarah, it was having a baby. For some of you in this room, that might be the case too. For others, it might be having a wife, a husband, having someone you can genuinely call a friend that you know you can count on. 
Maybe it's having someone care for you. Maybe you didn't get to grow up with a mother and a father that loved you. Maybe it's having a community that actually knows you and values you. What promise has God given to you that you maybe haven't seen fulfilled, that he's actually inviting you to see that fulfilled when you're willing to partner in faith to see that take place? God has already redeemed every area of your life. Jesus has already paid the price. He is just waiting for you to partner with him in order to see his world, his world, his promises to see heaven invade your world. Faith redeems your past, but it also rewrites your future. I honestly can say I hardly have ever thought about what my life would be like had I not become a Christian, had I not partnered with faith in God. Uh, it's a bit of a personality thing. I don't think about things that aren't an option because I am a new creation in Christ. But I do often think about how crazy my life is because I became a Christian. I do often think about how I get to the place that, that I am and the, the places I've been around the world, the people I've met, the miracles I've seen, the relationship I have and am growing in. Just the amazing moments and privileges that God has given to me are all because I decided to partner with faith and step into my God-given purpose. Faith redeems your past, but it also rewrites your future. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That word plans is, is not, a, not understood as walking a tightrope. God doesn't have a specific tightrope that you must follow. It's the purpose, that he has created you for a purpose. And those purpose, uh, purposes are to give you a hope and they are to give you a, f a future. That God wants to prosper you. He does not want to harm you. And, God, and when we partner with faith, we step into this purpose. When we partner with the substance of heaven, we step into that God-given purpose. If the band could join me on stage, please. Um, <clears throat> hands up if you were here last week. Cool. So Catherine, our senior pastor, for those who aren't here, shared last week about her and her journey, uh, what, what had brought her to, to where she is today. And she shared about the real tipping point for her was when she was about 19 years old and one of her friends passed away because of leukemia. And it really shook up her world and it really shook up a lot of the worlds around her, a lot of her friends. But in that moment, in that season, she began to see what I believe Paul was describing in that chapter 13. She began to see the partial and temporary nature of so much of this world that we live in. She began to understand that the very life she lived is so temporary and will come to an end. I love, uh, we have an amazing woman, Rose Grieve, in here. Uh, she's not here tonight, but she's an amazing, faithful woman in our church. And uh, she had cancer a while ago and she was in the hospital. And so the person in the bed beside her said something about like, you know, um, I'm glad you're lucky it's not terminal or something. And she just said back to her like, we're all terminal, you know, like we all are. And, and that is a reality. But Catherine realized in that time in her life that there is so much to this life that is temporary, that is partial. And she made a decision that she didn't want to live for that anymore. She wanted to live for what was not partial or temporary, but what was eternal. She wanted to live for something that would matter 
in the next life that wouldn't just matter today. And so she looked behind herself and she saw the life she lived and she wasn't happy with it. She wanted to live a life that impacted and influenced eternity. And so she partnered with faith and she has seen that in her life and there is more to come. Uh, But I want you to know that if you were there that night, uh, I know for me when she was sharing, you could feel there was a real sense of grace in the room. There was a real sense of the empowering substance of heaven that could invite our people into that same decision that she made. That there was a sense that you would be able to make that same decision she made to lay down your values for temp- the temporary things of this world and learn what it is to value the things of the internal, to value the things of heaven, to learn to value faith, hope and love. If you turn around now and look at the things you've been responsible for, the relationships you've been a part of, what is your life writing? What is the story that you're writing right now? What is the story you're writing right now? Do you need a fresh start? Do you need to redeem the old by stepping into the new? Putting your faith in God is not like a cop-out. It won't fix your problems but it will equip you with the maturity to navigate life's challenges with power, love, and purity. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, that sounds really great. Uh, Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're like, how does that even happen? Or you're sitting here and you said, you know, like I've been up for many altar calls, man. Like I've raised my hands and I just quite, I just haven't got it. Like I've, I felt like I've stepped out, but my life hasn't changed. There's things that haven't fallen into alignment that I want to live that life where I can turn around and I can see lives transformed behind me, but it hasn't taken place yet. I want you to know that the, the, the main way in which we partner with faith, the main way we access and partner with faith, the substance of heaven is through surrender. The main way we partner with the faith in God is through surrender. It's laying down everything that we're not It's laying down all our selfishness. It's laying down all our fears. It's laying down all our bitterness, all our disappointment. It's laying that down and choosing to pick up the abundant life that Jesus has paid for us. And so I just want to do two things. One, I just want to give an opportunity that if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but, but, but you can feel it in the air. Like I remember when I first went to church when I wasn't a Christian and like I could only describe it as like a, a, a drug trip. Like you're just in this moment because there's substance in the air. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not just someone speaking. It's a, it's a transfer. It's a transfer in the Spirit. And if you're here and you're saying, I want that, man. I want my life to be redeemed and I want my story to be rewritten. I want to know what it is to be in relationship with the one who created me. Then I'm just gonna ask you to be real brave and just raise your hand and I'm gonna bless it and you can put it down and then we're gonna pray. So if that's you in this place, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but you want to know what it is to be in relationship with Him, to step into your God-given purpose through faith, then I'm asking you to be brave and just raise your hand. Just right now, I'm going to bless it, and you can put it down. We're just going to give it one more moment. Bless you. Is there one more person? God bless you. God bless you. All right, we're just going to pray as a church family. Christianity isn't a solo sport. It's about relationship. It's about a life-giving relationship with your Creator. 
and a life-giving relationship with those around you. So if you're comfortable, uh, we're all just gonna pray together. Um, so feel free to close your eyes. As you say, dear Lord Jesus, I turn from my ways and where I've been going and I choose to follow you and your ways. I choose to place my trust in you and I welcome your Holy Spirit into my life to lead me and guide me from this day forward. I am a new creation in you and I place my life in your hands and I pick up yours and I walk it out for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.